Welcome to another edition of the Cool Sore Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day, night, midday, evening, whenever you decide to download this particular episode. Today, we are joined by Dr. Sheila D. Williams, who is a Cool Sore of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And this lady is definitely dynamic. But before we get to her episode, I got to tell you about the Cool Soror Ride. Yes, we are having a Cool Soror Spent class this upcoming Saturday. So if you're in Atlanta, come on out and join us. It's just $25, and that includes your own Cool Soror tea, of course, that is specific to your sorority. So I would love for you to ride. It's this Saturday at 2 p.m. at Total Fitness Revolution. It's off of Veterans Memorial Parkway here in the ATL. Please go ahead and RSVP today at the thecoolsororide.eventbrite.com. It's just that easy. We'd love to see your beautiful faces. We need everybody representing my sorors of AKA, my cool sorors of DST, Zeta Phi Beta, Sigma Gamma Rho. Come on. We only have 38 bikes. So we want all 38 to be filled so we can sweat and have a good time. All right. What's better than sisterhood and sweat? I don't know what else. All right, guys. I'm so very happy that we have an amazing partnership with Green Top Gifts. Yes, we do. Are you ready for the holiday season? Well, go ahead and log on to greentopgifts.com. Get your Clarence Claus wrapping paper, also stocking stuffers, and my ultimate favorite, the Clarence Claus hoodie. That's greentopgifts.com. And your code word, cool sore. You get 10% off of your purchase. So go ahead and log on today. Also, while you're doing that, head on over to foundersandpearls.com. I really, really love our partnership as well because this is not your ordinary box. Yes, Founders and Pearls has an exclusive box just for you. And what makes it so great is that there's beauty and wellness items, gifts for inspiration and empowerment, and unique and exclusive paraphernalia all from small businesses. So when you subscribe to your amazing box at foundersandpearls.com, you know that you'll be supporting a small business. And that is how we keep it going, sisters helping each other. So make sure you get your first box. Coming up in January around Founders Day, foundersandpearls.com. All right. And without further ado, I would love for you to sit back and enjoy the journey of Dr. Sheila D. Williams. She is someone who has been through so much, but she has been an advocate, most importantly, for mental health awareness, along with being a life strategist and all the other things that she has going on in her very adventurous life. So please enjoy My Mother's Keeper with Dr. Sheila D. Williams. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey y'all, I am a cool soror of What's up y'all, I'm a cool soror of I am a cool soror. It's the Cool Soror Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. Welcome to another edition of the Cool Soror Podcast, and I'm very happy to have this dynamic woman joining the Cool Soror Podcast, Dr. Sheila D. Williams, and you are a cool soror of... Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Welcome to the show. We are so very happy to have you on today. 
Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, current job title, life strategist, author, John Maxwell certified speaker, trainer and coach, radio show host, mental health advocate. You have done a lot of things. And I was uh, able to be introduced to you via one of our sister friends, uh, Sherry Riley, um, yeah. who has been a guest on the podcast. Now, both of you all are very dynamic women. How did you all meet? And tell me a little bit about your relationship. Uh, we actually met at an event where I was one of the speakers. I was one of the introductory speakers, and she was actually the main speaker. She okay. was she was the keynote speaker, and she hadn't come in yet. And I think she was running a little bit late, but I had already like read up on her, and I was like, "Who is this phenomenal woman? I need to meet her." Uh -huh. And um, she came in, and I think something had happened is the reason why she was late. She's always on time, absolutely. But um, she came in. Yeah, so she came in like shortly before her for for her time to go on, and I was like, shoot, I didn't get a chance to talk to her before she actually spoke. Mm -hmm. But when I heard her speak, it was it was like none nothing else that I had ever heard. Wow. She captivated me. I had she had my attention from the time she opened her mouth to the time she stopped, and then it was just ironic that when she came from. Um, you know, her speech, she sat right next to me wow. and then just started a conversation. And then she told me that she was a member of the John Maxwell team. And that's how I got introduced to being, you know, oh. becoming a John Maxwell team member. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's fantastic. And, and, and having that certification, I mean, it's a really big deal. Uh, walk us through that process of what it's like to become certified as a John uh, Maxwell speaker. Oh my goodness. It's, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> You know, like I had, I had read a couple of his books many, 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 many years ago, and um, he's very big on leadership. Right. So my doctorate degree is actually in leadership and in education. So finishing my degree 10 plus years ago and then finally running into Sherry and she, you know, talking so amazingly about how being a member of the John Maxwell team helped her with her speaking right. and she's doing coaching and she's doing training and she spoke so highly of being, you know, a member of the team mm -hmm. that I started researching it. And then before you knew it, I, you know, I looked into it and I realized that I needed to join the team as well. Wow. So, yeah. That was a little over a year ago. So I've been a member of the John Maxwell team now for a little over a year. And I can, I can honestly say it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Wow. Um, and what way has it changed your speaking life? Uh, well, you know, John, being a member of the John Maxwell team, I mean, John Maxwell is internationally known. He's, right. he's one of the best speakers, um, trainers, coaches in the world. So it's not just here in the U.S. I mean, he's an author. He, he he's still a minister. Mm -hmm. I'm just an all around good person. Right. So he provides you with all of these resources and all of this training material that just takes whatever you're currently doing to the next level. Right. So it's it's a it's not only um, just receiving the resources and the and the information. It's a team. So it it really is a team. So the way that Sherry sat down and she talked about it when I first met her, it's the same enthusiasm that you get from every John Maxwell team member. Right. right. And it it truly is a it's, it's another it's a bit of an extended family. Yeah. Quite honestly. Awesome. So yeah. Awesome. And you and you've had just the desire to help people become better your entire life. Um, yes. Why has it been that way for you? You know, um, I think that, you know, well, I know definitely your your experiences as a child um, shape a lot of our experiences when we become adults. Right. So so for me, um, you know, my mother suffered from clinical depression, obviously. 
throughout my childhood and um, early 20s, we didn't know what it was. Oh. We just, I, you know, I just knew that something was different about my mother. Um, so with that, there needed to be this independence uh, on my part because there were times that she couldn't actually care for me, you know, because of her, her mental illness. Um, so I became very independent, but there was this tribe of people, you know, a support system that poured into me, not knowing that my mother was sick, um, or that, you know, she couldn't do some things that mothers typically do. You know, I had other mentors and other people from the community to help me. Of course, my father was there, but it was so many people who reached out to me and that just, you know, gave me the example that, you know, even. Even though uh, a child may not be my biological child, it, I feel it my responsibility if I can help that child to help the child or another woman, right. you know, a man. It doesn't matter whether it's in a professional setting, a personal setting, a church, in a community. I just feel that that's part of our responsibility of being here. Right. That if you can help the next person, that's what you're supposed to do. You just don't turn you know, turn your head and you keep walking. That's that's not what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. I do. I say it all the time. Giving is the rent you pay for living. And it's, I mean, it has to be something that's yeah. embedded in you. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously your mother has played an integral role in who you are as a woman and having um, had uh, mental illness, suffer from mental illness and MS at the same time. But I want to um, focus in on the mental illness. How as a child and just kind of uh, witnessing your your mother, why do you think it took so long for uh, her mental illness to actually be identified? Well, I think for the for the most part, um, you know, there was nobody that, you know, we knew that had a mental illness. Right, um, right. You know, and if, if somebody perhaps had a mental illness, I'm, we're talking about in the 70s. I don't want to date myself, but <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about in the 70s and. Typically, I mean, you know, in an African-American home, in an African-American community, if someone had a mental illness or they were a little different, it was just like, oh, well, they just, you know, they just crazy or that's right. how they, and you just like, kind of like, don't even talk about it. Mm -hmm. So with us and our family, we didn't know what it was. We just knew like there many days she didn't feel like getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. There are many times that she complained of certain illnesses or ailments. And, you know, me and my father would take her back and forth to the doctor, but they would prescribe her pain medication or they would say, you know, she needs to rest, um, mm. she's migraines. But what we found out later was that, you know, it was just undiagnosed. Right. Um, and it wasn't, like I said, until I graduated with my bachelor's degree in my early 20s that I became the voice. I kept asking questions like, no, it's not just a stomach ache. It's like she don't get out of bed. She don't like opening the blinds. You know, um, she she stopped cooking. It was like so many things that weren't quite adding up, right. especially when I looked at my friends and my relatives and other people in the community. Their their moms weren't quite acting the same way. And that's when I kind of realized that this is not normal right. because what you have in your home is your normal until you start to compare and you yeah. start to you know, other things like mm, this ain't quite normal. Yeah. So finally she got the diagnosis of clinical depression, uh, probably around, I was maybe 23, 24 years right. old mm -hmm. when she got that diagnosis finally. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know it was probably at that time, very life changing. So because you were able to at least identify and try to help her at that point. 
Yes, yes, definitely. Absolutely. And then you, you decided to chronicle your life um, um, with your mother and my mother's keeper to, to write a book about it when you could have very well said, okay, let's work on this in, 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 in quiet and silent and let us handle this as a family. But you decided to share your story. Why was that so important for you? You know, uh, because I had, you know, basically I had two um, parallel parts of my career, the, the mental health counseling. And I do believe that, you know, obviously it paid a, played an integral part in me choosing that career because of my mother, right. you know, the, the mental health field, the psychology field, all of that. So with the master's degree in mental health counseling, and then I chose to do my doctorate in uh, leadership and education. So I had the two parallel careers, the mental health counseling and the education career. Um, but basically, you know, I had a very successful career and it wasn't until, uh, you know, my mother was on hospice and I, you know, I'm, I've always been very transparent about my life, right. but I couldn't talk about this because she was so embarrassed and it Got was it. family secret. Um, again, unfortunately in the African-American community, we don't talk about it very much. And I, you know, I had seen this so much in a 20, 25 year career in the field it's like, don't tell anybody. Yes. I have. It's don't, don't tell any. And I'm like working with my clients. I'm like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And it was the same way with my mother. She was so embarrassed. She always felt like she didn't fit in, that she was never good enough. And it was when she was finally on hospice right before she passed away. I said, mom, this is a very, you are an integral part of my life. And it's a part that I've never been able to talk about, never been able to share you know, out of respect for her, mm -hmm. but she's like, you know, mom, I'm, you know, your mom's not going to be here much longer, baby. You've been talking your whole life. So <laughs> you want to go ahead and talk about it, go right ahead. Yeah. So she gave me the green light knowing that, you know, she was no longer, it was safe at that point. Right. So when she passed away in 2012, I basically took a lot of my, my own diary and turned it into, um, this book, of course, adding and deleting parts of it. Yeah. But, <laughs> But um, decided to go ahead and publish it, not only for my own healing, but to be this voice for for her to tell her story and the story of so many other people who go through this, either as a caregiver or as a person who has mental illness. Yes. Just yes. don't talk about it. So I just decided to be the voice. And it was, you know, it, 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 there comes a bit of vulnerability with that because yes. you put your business out here for the world to, to read about. But I say, you know, I, I prayed about it. It was, it was a two-year prayer, and I and I finally published it in 2014, and I'm glad that I did. Yes, yes, and I'm sure that you have been able to help so many people. Have people uh, reached out to you uh, and said how this book has changed their life? And if you could, like, tap into a couple of those stories that, you know, um, when you've heard from those people and how it affected you. Oh, my goodness. The You know, just doing book signings, I meet people and they flip the book over to the back and the tears, the tears that I see, um, the joy. You know, so many people say thank you for yes. writing, you know, and it's that's the overwhelming response that I get is thank you. Mm -hmm. so the response that has surprised me, there's two that have really surprised me. One in which was a um, young man that I grew up with in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously none of my friends knew. Um, and they just knew that my mom was a little different. But when he read my book, 
And, um, you know, after he read it, he called me and he was literally crying. Wow. And he said, you know, everybody had a story. Everybody has a story. So in your household, this was going on, Sheila. But in my household, I had something totally different going on. But I can't tell my story either. But I'm glad that you did because it has given me hope. And I know that at some point I'll be able to tell my story. So it sounded like, you know, just reading my story Uh gave him reassurance that he was not alone. Right. Was he was dealing with everybody has something going on, you know, so that that really touched me because, I mean, he knew me from a child and uh, not realizing what was going on in my household. I didn't realize what was going on. And I still don't to this day. um, But apparently it was something. Right. um, he indicated that he can't talk about it until, you know, just as I did until some people have passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, that was one. And then another one was something that I did not expect at all. Um, I'm a little congested. so I apologize No, oh, no, totally <laughs> fine. No, you're fine. You sound great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Another one was the um, the fact that there are um, people who are um becoming positively impacted by by my story and they may not have had, had a mental illness or know anybody with a mental illness um a particular young man contacted me and he had been on cocaine wow. and a recovering cocaine addiction he somebody passed him my book um and he was in the middle of trying to get off a crack and um he said he had never gone to a uh, recovery meeting And once he read my book, it encouraged him to stand up in the meeting and and say that I am an addict because he said that if I could put my business in a book (laughs) and talk about myself, my mother, my family for the world, he should be able to stand in a room in front of 30 or 40 other individuals who have the same types of addiction that he has and say that I am a recovering addict. He had not been able to do that for over 30 years. So once he read my book the next day, this one really, t- I mean, it just touched me. The next day he went in and he um, he joined a recovery group. We'll be right back with more of this episode of the Cool Sword Podcast with Dr. Sheila D. Williams after I encourage you to log on to greentopgifts.com because I just need for you to be ready for the holidays. What better way than to come downstairs, walk down the hall, wherever your Christmas tree is, and to see some amazing gifts wrapped in amazing new wrapping paper just for you. I love Clarence Claus. Clarence Claus is absolutely somebody who looks like my grandpa or your grandpa, and it just puts a smile on your face. It just makes you feel happy. Not only do Green Top Gifts have everything for your wrapping paper needs, but they also have amazing stocking stuffers and stickers that feature Clarence Claus. He's a beautiful, jolly old man with a chocolate complexion, a white beard, and red suit. And it gives children of color images that are reflective of their daily lives and allows our families to feel happiness all during the holiday season. And I've got the special offer just for you, greentopgifts.com. And all you have to do is put in the code COOLSOROR and you will receive 10% off of your purchase. It does not get any better than that. Greentopgifts.com, that is the place for you to go for all of your wrapping paper and gifts for the holiday season. Yes, that's greentopgifts.com. 
tell Clarence Claus. I said, what's happening? I love Clarence. He's so cute. Greentopgifts.com. Coolsora is your code for 10% off. Now, back to the show. That's good. That is so good. I mean, I want to piggyback on something you said a little bit earlier. You said it, you said it was a two-year prayer um, yes. to decide to write this book. And yes. uh, what did that prayer entail? Lord, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot because, you know, I realized that, you know, obviously when I'm writing this book, there, you know, I, I speak of family members, but I never say their names. Um, obviously, it wasn't just a about me, mm-hmm. but it's a very personal reflection and it's it's my reflection. It's my perception. So I have to tell people, and I know you've heard this, that your perception is your reality. Right. So although, you know, I'm writing this story from my perspective, it is perhaps not the same perspective that someone else has of the situation. So my prayer was that, you know, that this book be of help and hope and healing for whomever you know, came in contact with it and had the pleasure of reading it. Um, So that was my prayer and and that I was doing the right thing and that, you know, I was just going to basically publish the book. And and I really did not do very much marketing with the book at all when it was um, first published Mm -hmm. because it it really was not the purpose. I just asked God to, to lead the book into the right hands and to, to, you know, let it do what it do, you know? And, that was pretty much my prayer that, you know, it, it came from a from my heart of, like you stated in the beginning of me wanting to help other people. Right. So um, by me telling my story, that was my hope. And it still is my hope that I'm able to help other people because this conversation needs to continue to be had nice. on a, you know, on a it's it's greatly needed because the depression race, the suicide race uh um, the terroristic acts. I mean, it kind of all boils down to when people are dealing with some form of mental illness or something has caused them to have this break. Right. And, um, you know, especially in the African-American community, our, our rates of suicide and homicide have increased. Well, why do you think that is? Why? Because we're not dealing with it when, when the, the onset of it? Mm-hmm. I think that that's part of it. I think also that, um, you know, depending on what the mental illness is, there could be a hereditary gene with that. So, um, you know, a chemical imbalance, if it is a hereditary, it carries, it can carry on from generation to generation. But if, you know, you never take ownership of that and say, like, let me go get treatment and let me get help. The children, the grandchildren, the spouses, you know, they just try to deal with it as best as possible and nobody takes it as an illness. They take it as if it is, I don't know, like you're walking around a scarlet letter on your forehead and it shouldn't be that way. Right. You know, when someone has cancer or diabetes, we don't treat them that way. Right. Don't, and an illness is an illness, whether or not it's a, it's a mental illness, it's a physical Ill, illness An illness is an illness. Right. So, you know, that's why I say mental health is health. Mm-hmm. If we start to look at mental health as a part of our overall health, I think that we'll be better as a society. What do you suggest? What, as we can uh, try to change the narrative on on uh, mental wellness, because I've sat and I talk about it on a podcast all the time. I'm not afraid to say that I've been uh, on a couch and I encourage people to do it because it really helped me out. To, yes. be, to unravel what was going on in my brain. I'm like, what is, what is wrong with me? You know, 
<laughs> and it happens to, 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 to people from all walks of life. Yes. Um, but how can we change the narrative one step at a time and, and being able to have a, a yearly mental check? Is there such a thing? Yes. I, you know, every time I go to my primary care, I tell them everything we okay. have. We have written and my OBGYN, they know all my business. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just tell them and I, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a strong proponent for counseling, obviously as a therapist. Um, and, you know, obviously as a child of a mother who had clinical depression, I'm like, I go all the time. Do you think I need to come in? Like, <laughs> like no, Sheila, like, no, you good. Right. But, um, you know, so when I go to my primary care physician, I give them the whole gamut of what's going on with me. And even as a therapist, sometimes you can't really tell like yourself, you know, it's like looking at the man in the mirror, you see everybody else, you know, their issues. I can diagnose you real quick, right? but when it comes to myself. I need to be very transparent with my primary care or my psychologist, psychiatrist to let them know what's going on with, with me. Yeah. So I get the treatment that I need. So right. while I'm out here counseling and, and, you know, providing therapy and being an advocate, I have to take my own medicine. So to answer your question, yes, when you go to the, even if you don't have a therapist, a psychologist, psychiatrist, when you go to your primary care physician, yes, perhaps it is a headache, but give him all or her all the other symptoms that go along with that. I don't feel like being bothered. Right. Oh, I don't open my blinds. I used to like going out and going to the movies. I don't want to answer the phone when people call me. I'm in this depressive state, or you may not even use depression as the word, as a terminology. I just don't feel like being bothered. I'm sad. I mm -hmm. can't snap. You know, whatever your symptoms are, uh, you know, you explain what all of them, what all of your symptoms are. And as an MD, as your primary care physician, they are trained to be able to determine whether or not they need to refer you to see a therapist, a psychologist, psychiatrist, for, for mental health counseling, for therapy. Um, so I tell people, you know, you don't leave it up to yourself to diagnose yourself. You just give them the whole gamut of what your symptoms are. And, um, you know, hopefully if you have a, a, you know, a pretty good primary care physician, they'll refer you to whoever you need to see. Just like they refer you for an MRI or, uh -huh. or whatever, they'll refer you to a therapist if that if that's what's needed. As um, a mother of two two girls and one is about to be eleven, and you know you see see changes in their little attitudes and stuff like yes. that. How as parents <laughs> as the, as our children mature, how can we teach them how to be vulnerable and open enough to say if they need help or say if they need to talk to someone? Like, what can I do as a parent to encourage her to embrace? the couch, even at a young age. Yes, I say embrace the couch, I love that. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, okay, so for me, you know, with my mother having the clinical depression, it wasn't that I didn't feel comfortable talking to her because we talked about everything. Mm -hmm. But there were certain things that, um, you know, she may not have known about, um, you know, for me to be able to ask her and I knew that I needed to ask someone else. So I needed to go back to, to the original question that you asked me. I, uh, one of the first mentors that I had was a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Come on, so and, uh, Yes. Miss <laughs> Altamese Davis. She uh, was, um, you know, the, the graduate, um, you know, in the graduate chapter and she came out and, and, you know, I was a charmette. 
Um, so I joined, joined a little Charmettes and, and she was like a very important motherly figure to me. So it was a lot of things that perhaps I didn't ask my mother about, right. but I talked to her. And then there were so many other ladies in the church, you know, so I think it's very important to, you know, not only surround, not only pour into your children, but then to also surround them with yes. other people that they can, they can, you know, kind of disclose things to as well. And that you trust them to yep. give your child the right information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's really important, male and female. Right. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, if she doesn't feel comfortable coming to you, then hopefully, you know, there's an aunt, there's somebody at the church there, you know, there are Saras mm-hmm. who are going to be able to, to, you know, provide that advice, that motherly, um, you know, information that just that motherly love that's right. going to put her just in case she doesn't come to you. She has somebody else that she can go to. Absolutely. We had that conversation on the way home and she and I were just together on the way home from school on Friday. And I was like, Hey, you have your godmother, um, um, Jen Price. She's been on the, on the podcast. She's my best friend. That's her godmother. I was like, you have a lot of people. If you don't ever feel, if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, I was like, but you can always talk to me. Of course, I'm always going to say that, but I yeah. do, I did tell her that there are other people that we obviously trust and I, that I trust with her. And I'm glad that she has those avenues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's really, I think it's what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, having that tribe. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So what's a typical day like for Dr. Sheila D. Williams? I mean, you, you do a whole lot, but tell me what a typical two days, because I, I don't think uh, no two days are the same. No, it's really <laughs> not. Like, on the, I mean, I, you know, I think that's why I got this whole sinus cold bronchial or whatever I got, because I need to learn how to, and this has been all my life, I need to learn how to kind of like, Chill out. Yeah, sit <laughs> out somewhere. But, I, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, having that drive and, um, you know, from a early, from a very early age, um, it's very difficult for me to unwind. So when I am um, at home, like today on a Sunday, I'm like, okay, I got to do this. I got to, you know, I got to research yep. this. I'm, I'm, I got a whole stack of books that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I buy books by the by the pound. Books by the pound. <laughs> yes. yes. So you know, I I mean, that's a typical weekend for me. If I'm not at an event or hosting my own event or doing a book signing or doing an interview, uh, you know, I'm somewhere reading. I'm somewhere researching. Um, and then, of course, I spend a lot of time online. I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, interviewing guests for my for my radio show. Right. Um, and or TV show. And, um, you know, just, you know, just, I don't know. I'm I'm just a people's person. Mm -hmm. I always have been. I always had this personality that's larger than life. Like my mother used to say, you never stop talking, (laughs) Sheila. So, uh, you know, I never knew that I was going to be a radio show host or a TV show. I never, you know, I went to school to, you know, for education. Uh You know, you never know how God's plan is for you. So, but yeah, on a typical day, I mean, usually that's it. I'm interacting with people on some level or another. I'm either, yes. you know, interviewing someone, they're interviewing me. I'm coaching, training someone. Uh, I'm researching, I'm reading. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm constantly doing something. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you said you're an avid reader. You buy books by the pound. Uh, yes. what, what's, what, what's currently, what is, what are you currently reading? Oh, <sighs> let me see. Um, I just actually read, um, well, I didn't finish it yet, but I, I'll, I'll do that. I'll start one book and then I'll stop and then I'll. Right, right. 
Yeah, I got a little. I think I got a little ADD. I'm dying to myself. <laughs> but um, TD Jake sore. Um, mm-hmm. so I have that. Uh, let's see. Um, white privilege. I mean, oh, black I, black privilege. Black privilege. Yes. Um, I started that one. Haven't finished it yet. How is that? That's uh by See the God, Charlemagne yes. the God. Yeah. Yes, it's actually pretty good. Okay, I'm, good. I've only gotten into like maybe the second or third chapter, mm-hmm. but so far so good. Okay, good. Uh huh. So you know, I jump around, and of course, I'm always reading John Maxwell books. Right. So, and he, you know, he always publishes about two or three a year. Yeah, so right. right. Yes, he has a lot of books out there. And then I'll go back and I'll reread some of them and I highlight mm-hmm. um, a lot of his books as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, in the spring of 1994, Pi Side Chapter, you yes. became a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Did Alpha Kappa Alpha choose you or did you choose Alpha Kappa Alpha? Hey, but it was, it was bound to be, you know. I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was a match made in heaven. Awesome. That's what I say. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Tell me about it. Okay, so like I said, our, our okay, high school, right? Uh-huh. So I see all these girls walking around with pink and white, pink and white, white jackets. And I'm like, oh, those are nice, shiny pink and white jackets. <laughs> pink has always been my color. Uh-huh. So I see them walking around on campus, and I was a freshman. So uh-huh. you had to be at least a sophomore in order to be a charmette. Right. But I see these jackets, and I'm like, I want one. Uh-huh. So again, being the outspoken person that I am, I walk up to one of them, and I'm like, how where I get one of these jackets from? Where can I buy it? <laughs> she was like, "No, you can't buy it. You have to, you know, be be, you know, join, you know, be initiated and uh-huh. become a charmette." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Where you sign up at? <laughs> like, what do I got to do?" <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I was in every club there right, was. Right. So I'm like, I ain't heard about this club. What you do? Mm-hmm. So um, she pulled me to the side like, girl, let me help you. Yeah, I think it was a junior. She was a junior, the person that I was talking to. I can't remember who it was. But she said, when Miss Davis comes back out here, you'll know her. She's the lady that wears a pink jacket every time. I'm like, I've seen her. Mm-hmm. So she said, when she comes back out here with that pink jacket on, you need to pull her to the side and tell her that you want to be a charmant. And I look for her like, what? Where's she at? Uh-huh. So yeah, so about a week later, she was back on campus, and I, I pulled her over, and I was like, I want one of them jackets. I want to be a charmette. Uh-huh. I, mean, I see these girls walking around. They carry their head high. You know, they were all the, they were all the smart girls. I mean, of course, I know there were other smart girls. In right, school, right. But it seemed like all of the ones that had on the pink and white jackets was the real smart ones. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a smart girl with a pink and white jacket. You know, and she was like, baby, it's so much more to that, you know. And um, she pulled me to the side. And like I said, she was a huge mentor for me. She let me know that, you know, this is all about grooming y'all, you know, and Mm -hmm. and into you. And so that you're, you know, respectful young women and that you are, you know, upstanding citizens in the community and you provide community services all about that. So when she, you know, ran it down to me, I was like, yeah. So where do I sign up? Right. jacket so um so yeah one thing led to another i became a charmette and i knew immediately then that i would eventually be an aka right um i eventually did um once i graduated from high school i did obtain a scholarship from alpha kappa alpha oh beautiful yeah so i I, um i wrote this um essay and my essay was selected and um i was chosen for that scholarship so i received the scholarship and um amongst a couple of other scholarships so you know, that scholarship was a huge help for me. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, I joined um, mm-hmm. you know, 
at UCF, University of Central Florida in Orlando, spring of 94. Yes, awesome, awesome. And you were number 13. How many were on your line? 13. 13? <laughs> oh, wow. Are you, are you all still close? We are, Good. for the most part, most of us, yes. Yeah. We, we all keep in contact, definitely on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. That's fantastic. Dr. Sheila, how can people find you if they want to sit on your couch, if they want to attend <laughs> anything that you may be speaking at or just want to yeah. be in your presence? How can they yeah. find you? Okay, well, you could definitely go to my website. I have a couple of different websites, but the main one is my full name, www.drsheiladwilliams.com, and there's no periods, no space. So Dr. Sheila D. Williams.com. And it can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Dr. Sheila D. Williams. And of course, um, if you're, you know, interested in me speaking or coaching or training, uh, you can contact me through either, either of those sources as well, but then also I have a John Maxwell site as well. And that is John C. Maxwell group.com forward slash Sheila Williams. Um, so John C. Maxwell group.com forward slash Sheila Williams. Sounds fantastic. What is your definition of cool? Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> I think cool is just being confident and secure in who you are. And, um, you know, taking that confidence and secureness that you have and then being a blessing to somebody else. There's nothing cooler than being a blessing to somebody else, mm -hmm. I think. Absolutely, being a blessing to someone else. And you have truly been a blessing to us today here on the Cool Sore Podcast. We definitely appreciate your time and your willingness to be vulnerable and candid with us and telling your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. Dr. Sheila D. Williams, everybody. Hello, my name is Dr. Sheila D. Williams. I am a life strategist, a speaker, trainer, coach, and a mental health advocate. And I am a cool Sarah of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, the one and only. Yeah.